Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. All right, so we're going to uh, go into Acts 20. Uh, 16. I'm going to start from there. Uh, what's going on right there, it's, uh, this is our House of Facts series. Uh, we've been going on this for uh, almost, are we almost a year on this? Or Yeah, almost a year on this. Uh, so it's really, really good. And here, Paul is actually traveling. Paul is actually going to back to Jerusalem. And uh, he wants to avoid Asia. He wants to um, just stay on so that he can get to Jerusalem as fast as possible. So I'm going to start reading from 17, actually, not 16, I'm going to, because I just explained that. So, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came to the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. And in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Wow, okay, not very encouraging. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So let's highlight that. That's a really good part, just like his task. That's the good news of God's grace, giving that out. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Not encouraging again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave... Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Okay, so he's not being encouraging for sure right there. Even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you, each of you, night and day, with tears. Now, I commit to you, to God and to the world, and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything that I did, I show you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the, God, the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Well, I mean, there's no surprise there. What, 
grieved them most was his statement that they would not, never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. So as I'm pointing out, this is a hard word, right? And uh, he's delivering, this is the leader of, the, of like, this massive movement, and he's delivering a hard word to his, uh, to his followers, right? And Paul is showing his leaders from Ephesus the framework of how to lead in hard times and when receiving bad, hard news, right? He points to what to keep doing. He points to keep bringing the kingdom. He points to, hey, the good news of the gospel needs to keep on going. He doesn't make it about himself. He doesn't make it about, hey, let's, um, let's grab swords and organize ourselves to raise an army to defend myself because, hey, they're going to take me. The Roman Empire is actually going to arrest me. Even though the government was the one that everyone wanted to overthrow, like it's the empire, there is no self-pity in his words. He starts giving account of what he has done to bring the kingdom, actually. He's like, this is what I've done. This is, this is what the example I've set. Now go and follow it. I want to ask, like, why? How does, how does he get there? How does he get from hard times word to here's the kingdom? Sometimes I think we tend to think about the prophetic as it, looks, it has to look a certain way, right? It, 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 it's designed, it, it, the design that it has in the New Covenant it's always pointing to love. It always points to who you are in him. That's the prophetic. Even in hard words. And if you look at what Jesus did, even when he was saying, hey, I'm going to go and die, he was also pointing at the, what, the joy that was set before him. So I think that Paul is just following that example. He's just saying, okay, this is my turn to die or to not see these people again. And what am I going to do? Am I going to point to the fact of the circumstances that are hard, or am I going to point to him? In this season, I've been reading Isaiah, as I mentioned, I think, a few Sundays ago. And in, in, the, in the middle of those words that Isaiah is given, you, you can see that there's a lack. The lack that Alex was just mentioning a, a few moments ago. Meaning there's always something missing. There's either purity, righteousness missing, there's love missing, there's dedication missing in the people of Israel. Like, if you look at an example in Isaiah 24, don't go there, I'll read it. And um, it's good for you to not go there. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for the priest, for the people, as for the master, of, for his servant, for the mistress, of for for her servant, for seller or for buyer, for borrower or for lender, for debtor or for creditor, the earth will be completely laid to waste and totally plunder. The Lord has spoken his word. It's not very encouraging. So when Isaiah prophesies about Jesus, you can read the fulfillment of that lack, right? That's because the missing part has been fulfilled. If you look at Isaiah 60, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The sea that darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. There's the circumstances. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And it keeps on going, reminding you that the lack has been fulfilled by who? By Jesus, right? So, the power of life and death is in the tongue. We either choose to prophesy or talk from death or from life. 
That's what, what, what Jake was saying last, last Sunday. It's encouragement. It's part of our, if you want to be a good leader, you've got to keep on giving life, right? The, my mandate in this, in, in, in this church, in this ministry, what I feel like the Lord has given me and uh, Alex has allowed me to do, right? Still good on that? Yeah? All right. The man, it's my mandate to create a prophetic culture, right? And have all prophecies be full of love. So I'm getting you ready for the open mic, right? So that they say they come from Science Hill. They know how to prophesy. That's good. So back to what Paul is doing in this passage. Where does he, well, look through Paul. Where does he get the inspiration to hold fast when he receives such a heavy word? And where, how does he make it positive? How does he make it go, fo- keep the focus on what Jesus was going to be doing, what, what Jesus is actually doing through, the, through their ministry? So now I do want you to go to 1 Corinthians 13. This chapter is always used for weddings, but I don't think it's about weddings. It's totally about the the gifts of the Spirit. This is actually the framework on how we use the gifts of the Spirit. So, if I, it says in 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse one, if I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. There's the social justice. There's, you need love in them for that. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Do you see the framework that we're building around how to give, how to, how to minister Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I fought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I become a man, I put away the the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in mirror. Then we shall see face to face. So you can see here that there's actually growth on how you minister, because you go from being like a child and now you're like a man. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It's not the end, actually. I know there's a chapter break right there, but it keeps on going. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. It keeps on going. That, 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 I don't know why, who decided to break it there. I, it was not Paul. <laughs> for one who speaks in tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So when you get the mic, do not go in tongues. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. Let's get that underlined. One who speaks in tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all, let's say all. all. Does it say only the weirdos prophesy? (laughs) 
Does he say the only the guy in the mountain by himself can prophesy? No, right? It says all. Does he say only the tenure believers can prophesy? No. But even more that you would prophesy, and greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. In 1 Corinthians 14, 24, let's go there. But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, send him to Alpha so that he can understand how to actually receive the prophetic word. Does it say that? Send him to Alpha. Does it say, hey, subscribe him to, send him to an easier church that is not that intense so that he won't get scared? No, it says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone's prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. But in the framework of Corinthians 13, does it sound like we called out their sins? No. Does it, does it sound like we're, the secrets of their heart are actually the encouragement that they didn't even know that was there? Is it actually the goal that was hidden that they didn't even know that existed, that what we were going to be calling out from the unbeliever? Is that it? Do we agree? I don't know why there's this, um, why are we uh, sending unbelievers to churches that are not that intense? I think we should send them where actually there's the encounter. That's just my thought. It gives you more fruit. You, you know, when, when, we, when we dial down the gospel, I don't think that they're actually getting an encounter. They're actually just getting the, a ver, a, an easy version, a perversion. But if we're actually leading with the framework of Corinthians uh, 13 and we are leading with love, what they're going to encounter is the Father. And when they encounter the Father, they're going to shout, God is really among you. Thank you, guys. I love you. <laughs> I really love those guys. In 1 Corinthians 14, 30, it says, For you all... For, can, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. It's everyone. Yeah. It's everyone. It's not only thir- the three guys that are leading. It's everyone that can prophesy. We need everyone speaking what the Lord is giving you to your heart so I can hear with a, what the Lord is have revealed to you. If not, I'm going to be missing out on the revelation that you got. So how do you keep speaking from 1 Corinthians 13? Are the words that you're giving coming from that angle? Are your day-to-day words coming from that source? Are you giving life or death? Because there's no in-between. It's either you're giving out life or death. What are we giving in our work, in our jobs, in our families? What are we giving? Like, are we giving life? Are we giving death? What are we speaking? Because here's the thing, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that you actually have that power. Whenever, even if you are not saying, thus says the Lord, you have that power. You're prophesying. You're calling out destiny. You're saying what 2020 was and what 2021 is going to be. Prophetic words are to edify, exhort, and console. In fact, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are some of the love languages of God. So every time that we prophesy, that person should feel like they got kissed by God. So it's not about giving dates. 
It's not about giving, like, who's going to have a baby. Or it's certainly, certainly not about who am I going to marry. <laughs> I've gotten so many prophetic words about who I was going to get married. Not now, I'm married. So I, I guess that's what made them stop. Uh, <laughs> I didn't marry any of those girls. The Lord says that you're going to marry me. Tell the Lord to tell me. (laughs) A prophetic culture changes the atmosphere. Why? Because it brings forth God's perspective into ours. If you go into 1 Samuel 9.21, if you don't want to go, it's fine. Uh, Samuel is prophesying over Saul who he's going to be. But Saul has such a low self-esteem that Saul answers, but I'm not... Um, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of tribe of, of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? When you encounter what the Lord is calling you and, and you have low self-esteem, you're gonna, just, just going to miss out on what the Lord has actually have for you, right? But that's what the prophetic, the, the prophetic does. It calls out the, the reality that it does not align with your perspective, with your reality. His reality is the one that's called out. Um, I used to serve in a big church in, 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 in Mexico. It was um, like 5,000 people, and uh, it, it, it came out of a revival, actually. It came out from, um, we also had like a Jesus movement back there uh, in the 80s, and this big church came out of that revival. And um, there were a lot of power dynamics now in, in, in the church, so there was no revival anymore. What there was was a massive structure, and a massive structure of power. So it, 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 what I mean is that um, if you were serving, you were like above certain people, and then if you are serving, you have leaders above those, and they were like untouchable and like that. So you would feel those power ladders there, and um, and there was a there was a prophetic, and the prophetic was focused on always what the problem was. There was a prophetic, and it was always like, let's find the, the, the problem. And, and they even had, like, what the enemy was doing. They had a, a, a whole setup uh, where they saw what the plans of the satanic church had on Mexico. And, uh, and that was the focus on the prophetic. What he gave, the fruits of what he gave, it was just that we were just following the steps of whatever the enemy was doing. I started teaching prophecy back there and uh, when they gave me a chance. And I even got people standing up in the middle of, the, of my teaching, just like this one, telling me that I was lying. Like, it, good. Uh, <laughs> flashbacks. Uh, and anyway, and you, you're like, why? Why would, why would someone get so upset about me saying that all can prophesy? The problem was, it was that the guy that was standing up was the only person that could prophesy. Suddenly I'm saying everyone can prophesy, and he lost all of his identity and security right there. Gone. <laughs> and uh, not funny, sorry. Uh, but there, once I started doing that, there was a power shift. No, there, was not, there was not a reliable, well, not a dependency of these leaders to receive the word of, of the Lord. Now people were being encouraged between them. And, and the people were starting to be powerful, and they started to feel secured. And then the leaders were not needed anymore. So we even had a huge meeting where everyone was pointing fingers at me because I, like, they didn't feel like everything was normal, and they were upset. They couldn't really point what's going on, but it was just that they were losing that power and that authority. 
And, and, and when you build a structure around power, obviously you got to keep on doing to maintain it. You got to keep on doing what you were doing so that you got to create it. Anyway, uh, those people got blessed, but um, I mean, I left, so. <laughs> One of the temptations that we have, like in that church, we, we, is that prophetic people is to change the subject from what actually God is saying to, um, to the problem. We, we tend to think, like, as a prophetic person, I, I, I keep on having that temptation because you get a revelation, oh, the enemy's doing this. So what am I going to do? I'm going to keep on focusing on what the enemy is doing. But that's not the prophetic. The, 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 you receive a word, the Lord spoke to you, you're actually the anointing to, to the prophetic is actually getting an interpretation of what the Lord is going to do with that problem. That's when you actually become prophetic. It's when you actually say, okay, from this problem that I'm seeing, I'm going to ask for the answer. And the answer is actually what the revelation, and the revelation is actually what we are going to use to apply it, right? As Paul points us in this passage of Acts, the, the circumstances for him were not like, did not change his subject. He did not move from, I prepared you for this. Don't worry, they're coming wolves. They're coming. There's going to be a lot of attacks against the church. But what? But it's better to give than to receive. It's better to give the kingdom. It's better to keep on going. He keeps on focusing his people to what the Lord is doing. He the change to understand the prophecy is always focusing on love, on the love of the Lord, the lo of what if we keep on moving from glory to glory. We don't go backwards, and that's what we keep on keep doing when we prophesy. We don't prophesy like in the Old Testament because now we're under grace. There's no, it's not like in the law. Now it's a relationship, not judgment. Under the law, the statement by God was love your neighbor, hate your enemy, right? In the new covenant is love them both. We prophesy with eternity in our mind. That's how Paul did it. Paul was seeing, okay, this is what's going to happen to me, but I'm not worried. Because why? Because I have eternity in my mind. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. What are we building? Um, back in Mexico, you guys are going to think that Mexico is crazy. but No, Mexico is beautiful. Um, <laughs> But here we go. Uh, and, and my dad and I, we, we, we had a mining company. And uh, in, the mining company was based in, in La Sierra, which is the mountain range. And in the mountain range, well, you have the cartels. And when you have the cartels, you don't have rule of law, right? And anyway, we were having a party for the miners because it was the miner day. And uh, there was this guy sitting by himself in the party. And me not being... Like, I wanted to socialize, and I wasn't drunk, and everyone else was drunk. So I was like, well, this guy doesn't seem drunk, so maybe I'll go talk to him. And I approached him, and I started sitting down. I, started, I sit, sat down with him, and, and he's like, you don't know who I am, do you? And I'm like, nope, no idea. And then he started giving me, showing me his credentials. He said, uh, I'm actually part of the cartel. I'm, I'm a hitman. That's why no one sits with me. And um, I've killed 18 people. So he was trying to scare me, right? He was succeeding. He was, he was getting there. I was like, what the heck did I do? <laughs> and then uh, he kept on going on, on his whole resume. And, um, and in, in that moment, obviously I was, I was afraid, but um, I felt from the Lord to start prophesying to him. And I was like, 
that's not what we do. We run. <laughs> this is where we find, oh, my drink is over there. Let's go and find it. And uh, so I, I started I started speaking to him. I started saying, hey, actually, I feel like the Lord is calling you to be a protector. You're a protector that brings, uh, you cover your family, and you, and, and you have a heart for the people that are around you, and you don't let them go. And I just kept on going. He was looking at me like this. He wouldn't blink. And I kept on going. And I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> anyway, I kept on going. And then he, he finally blinked, and he started weeping. And, uh, and then he started talking. He started saying, no one's going to touch you. No one's going to touch you in this land. I'm going to make sure that they know that you're protected. And I mean, I did call out that he's a protector. So he was already wa- walking on the truth. And uh, as much as I thanked him, I-, I wasn't looking for that. But three weeks later, he was working for my, our company. He was, being a, he was a chauffeur. I don't know if he went back to it, because obviously we didn't stay there. But at least for that time, something shifted in him. I wasn't looking. He knew who he was. He knew who he, I mean, he told me his old resume, right? He was, uh, but he didn't know what the Lord had prepared for him. And that was my job to call out. There's uh, Chris Boughton, my one of my uh, heroes and the person that I get the most stuff out of. <laughs> um, he has this quote that says, remember the prophetic communicates the love of God to people. If we are prophesying out of an old covenant perspective, we're going to release words of condemnation and judgment. Old covenant prophets judge cities and nations. This was the prophetic mandate under the previous system. The moral of the Old Testament was that we couldn't be good enough to get into heaven. We need a savior. This is why everything we see under the Old Covenant is often so severe. The severity of the law confronts us with the severity of sin and again how desperately Humankind needed a savior. Sin is so severe that it deserves judgment. Hence, the reason why the prophetic voices under the Old Testament often release words of judgment. Time after time, the people of God were reminded through the prophets of God that they were in dire need of the savior. So on the new covenant, we prophesy to edify. We prophesy to find the golden people. We prophesy the answer, not the problem. He said the truth shall make you free, not highlighting the problem, right? Like the truth, and who's the truth? It's a who, it's a person. All right, prophecy is composed of three things. Revelation, interpretation, and application. Revelation is the word. Interpretation is what does the revelation mean? And application is what do we do with the word? For example, a week ago, I was feeling an enormous amount of pressure of work and um, at, at church and marriage and everything it was just amounting to me. And I, I felt like I was um, performing so hard. What did I do? I, I went to a sauna <laughs> with my friends and I spent there for more like 30 minutes. Don't do that. And uh, I felt like I was going to pass away. Like I was going <laughs> to... Anyway... In the middle of that, I felt from the Lord like, hey, what you just did to your body, I want to do it to your spirit. All those toxins, I want to take them away. So I, I, I told my friends, I told was and Austin, hey, pray for me and, they, and, and uh, prophesy over me. And that's what they did. 
In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, Paul, we said, Paul said, we have the mind of Christ, not I have the mind of Christ. We. I needed other people to speak into my life. I knew the problem, which was performance, that I was performing, and, and, but I needed to hear an answer. I needed to hear the perspective from the Lord. I know that our church prophesies. I know that you guys already prophesy. I see people running around and prophesying. That's awesome and so encouraged. It's my love language. I love seeing you do that. Um, but we can keep on growing. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I fought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. What does that mean? We can grow in the gifts of the Spirit. You can practice. You can get better. When I, um, I actually, again, with Chris Bowden, I, I got the opportunity of meeting him and three times in my life. I've spent time with him. Um, when you're a PK, uh, pastor's kid, you got the benefit of choosing that if you want to be the chauffeur for the speaker of the conference, you get to do it, right? Um, you got to get some benefits. Um, so the first time that I met him, I spoke the whole time. I told him who I was, I told him what I did, and uh, he barely got a word. Second time, uh, he, I actually had questions. Like, it was years later, so I actually prepared with questions. So I, I had a, a, good, a good conversation with him. Third time, I actually just listened. I didn't, like, I, I just wanted to listen. And that's the conversation that I actually remember from all of those. I grew in listening. We need to grow in how we listen to the people around us and to the Lord. You know how good is it, like, this passage from Acts 20, like, if you had gotten Alex over here, you would, you would have gotten a completely different word out of this because he, he moves in a different calling. Same with, uh, with, with uh, Jake or Jim. They would have gotten something different. We need everyone's expression out of this house. We don't need the same, you don't need another version of Alex here. You need, you, you need Andoni, you need Jake, you, we need, you need you. We need you to speak. So how can we pra practice? I, uh, there's six ways that you can practice, and just to finish, let's go on. I'm gonna say them, you can write them down, and I've been doing them this week, and it's been really, really good. You can prophesy your day. Ask the Lord what's going to happen that day. And then at the end of the, at the, end of the day, check how accurate you, you got. Practice words of knowledge. Go to a restaurant, ask the Lord for words of knowledge. You don't even have to tell the waitress or the person that's serving if, if, uh, that you got a word of knowledge. You don't have to be weird. You can just tell them, hey, do you, if you get a word that they have three children, for example, you can say, hey, do you have any children? They say no, and you say, cool, go away. <laughs> and that's fine. You don't have to say, I'm from Saints Hill. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> you can team up with another person and ask them, hey, let's practice words of, words of knowledge and, 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 and get to experience. Let's see if we can, we can get it right. Ask for words of knowledge for healing. When you walk here, ask for words of knowledge for healing for, and see if you get any sympathy pains. Uh, prophesy as a group. Get a group and start prophesying all together over each other. And then you can also do prophetic intercession where you just know a problem. You can open the news for five minutes and then close it very fast and then prophesy what's the solution for that. Yeah. Uh, to finish, I had a dream this week about the church and uh, Alex was in the dream. Um, in, in the dream, 
Alex had rented this conference room, and um, he was he had present he had prepared like a presentation for this expert that was kind of come and teach us. We were all there, and, and it was full. We this expert was going to teach us on the vine, and and like actually like like a vineyard person was going to come and teach us. And uh, Alex was really excited. But the person comes in, this lady comes in and sits in the back and then gets stage fright and doesn't get on stage. And Alex, super bummed in the dream, he like com comes down and says, well, there's not going to be a conference, so I got to close this. And it's, he's pretty sad. I asked the Lord, what, hey, what does this mean? And, and I felt from the Lord that he meant that Alex represents the Lord the lady that comes to teach represents the church. The Lord has prepared the stage, but the church keeps getting stage fright. And I believe that we are the experts on the vine, on dwelling on the vine. And it's our turn to explain to the world what it means to stay on the vine. It's our turn to speak. Again, the power of life and death is in the tongue. That's our authority. That's what we carry. That's the power that we carry. In Acts 20, it says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So let's give, all right? Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. And the yoke is so much easier when I'm found.